A Good Morning. I just, I'll put a lid on that song, if you'll yeah. pardon the pun. That's what it's called, everybody. You did put a lid on it. Yeah. Now, you said Good Morning, Mark. And Good Morning, Swan. It was my next sort of, that's where I was going next. But no Good Morning, Sally. Oh. Oh, that's right. Where has she gone? Ooh, mm. a le Sally. Is She's, that how you say it in French? Ouh, ouh, Sally. She's um, in a museum somewhere, did you say? Well, I got a report that the last time I saw her, she was disappearing through the mouse hole at uh, headquarters there, the NGV. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that was some time ago. Mm. And uh, if you think about it, if she goes through there, what's she going to end up doing once she's through the mouse hole? What's in the lower gallery there at the moment, Mark? Uh, Indian right. uh, court paintings. Okay. Maybe. Don't, sound yeah. quite interesting. Yes, yes, and uh, that's about all I know what's going okay. on at the moment. Not Sorry, all. I'm just playing technical boy. Yeah, you're just enjoying <laughs> yourself over there, Swan. Well, what's on the agenda, chaps? I'm going to talk about, uh, after I hear the John Onsting, yeah. I'm going to run into a dog attack story. Okay. I'll just leave the pause there. A dog attack Pause, did you say? Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of a theme <laughs> developing, isn't there? There is a bit. Uh, well, look, I'm not in my well, side, but um, I'm going to be talking about a, a Christopher Allen review of a, an exhibition at Monash University called Shapes of Knowledge. Right. Uh, which is a very interesting... Um, It'll be a huge variety, I would have thought. Well, it's a very interesting review of a not-so-interesting show. Right. So, okay, that is, happens a lot. With Christopher, it does. Yeah. You can rely on him. But he's brilliant. His writing is just incredibly brilliant. I'd also, I'm going to also almost immediately talk about, uh, if I may, uh, a couple of lost watering holes in Melbourne. Hmm. Okay. And um, You'll excuse my befuddlement. I'm just, I, I might look a bit like a, uh, uh, what's his name, that mad pianist. Um, I'm just trying Canadian. To, I'm just trying Fred to... Gould. Yes. Uh, I was going to mention the theme of the, the evolving dog theme that seems to recur all the time and mm. get stronger every week, which is great. But I'm just having a little trouble technically. So if you could just talk amongst yourself, chaps. Well, that's what we were doing, Swan. Yeah. Mm. But <laughs> sometimes you look at me expecting something. I just want to know now, what's happening next. Now. Yes. Now, look, just in case people have forgotten Joseph Boys. Um, oh, Joseph Boys. Yes. Yeah, I'd he, almost forgotten him. You had. There was a, uh, he did an exhibition in um, New York in the early 80s, which was he didn't do the exhibition himself because he went once in 1969 with, uh, wrapped in felt. In, he was picked mm. up in an ambulance. You can see it on YouTube at the airport, taken in, wrapped in felt and put into the ambulance and taken to the gallery and stayed a week, in, oh, no, three days in the gallery with a coyote. Right. Is there something to do with pig fat as well? There, there was a bit of pig fat because he mm. was a... Um, fighter pilot in the Second World War and was shot down over Russia and the Russian peasants saved him uh, even though he was the enemy by wrapping him he was quite wounded by wrapping him in, in fat and felt Okay, and that kept him alive and but, this is why he's mm, and the fat kept him warm as fat well kept him warm kept i'd him like alive. to be rubbed it wrapped up in pig fat and felt every evening really all right well look that's be a lovely way to sleep i'm sure amanda could help you out there john <laughs> pig fat and feathers yes so uh, he did a show in new york later which was um amount it was in chelsea which chelsea in the you know, 90s and early part of the century was um a mixture of car me- um, mechanic 
garages and very chic um, contemporary art spaces. Right. And what he did was to plant oak trees with uh, every three meters along the square of Chelsea, all along the streets, and a block of basalt, black basalt polish, um, next to the tree. The reasons for it, I don't know, but the, 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 the idea is just brilliant, I think, to, you know, to, for an artist of his stature to go around planting oak trees <clears throat> in New York, I think, was a brilliant And are idea. they now Growing. mature trees? They're very mature. Everybody loves them. Uh, New York is ac- has many trees, actually. It's, right. got, it's quite, quite And green. is the carpet still on the footpath as a result of Andy Warhol's request? No, that's no. gone. No, you can't keep carpet on... on uh, Remember that you know that story about him wanting to carpet the footpaths of New York? No, I don't know. John, There's a guy in New York who complained to someone that he didn't have any money or any work, and this person told him to go and see Andy. And he went to the factory and uh, looked around for Andy Warhol. Eventually, he found him upstairs somewhere. He said, "Oh, someone told me to come and see you because I haven't got any work and I haven't got any money." And Andy said, "Oh, do you have any ideas?" <laughs> and he said, well, yeah, I always thought it'd be a good idea to carpet the footpaths of New York. And Andy said, that's a good idea. I'll give you $5,000 for that idea. And he gave him five grand. And the next morning in the newspapers, Andy Warhol suggesting that the footpaths of New York be carpeted. Mm. And presenting it as his own idea, but in fact he'd bought it. Yes. Legitimately right. and properly. That's Absolutely. A good, <clears throat> that's a fantastic idea. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I wonder if they had underfelt, going back to Joseph oh, yeah. B. Yes, mm. I don't know. <laughs> Look, I seem to have managed to uh, wrest some kind of uh, sanity from this board, chaps. Got good. And uh, fingers crossed, we're going to segue, not nicely, into Burning Spear. Thank you, Frankston Art Centre. It's worth going. It's a lovely space. They have a lot on. They do have a lot on, and, and there's a lovely garden behind as well. And I could direct people to the Artable P website mm. to see a few reviews of shows. You know that building you lived in in the city, Mark? Yes, the Bourne and Welsh building. Yeah. Mm. Have you seen it lately? Yes, I have. And it's got a big screen in front of it with yes. a picture of itself on the screen. Yes. Which generally means, see you later. Mm-hmm. Um. Just down from there is a tall, big, tall, skinny apartment building, the Phoenix Apartments, mm-hmm. which used to be the Phoenix Bar. Mm. I remember the Phoenix Bar. That's yeah. where all the newspaper men used yeah. to drink. A great watering hole in Melbourne and uh, frequented by artists as well as journalists. And Very narrow. Drink. Yeah. Yep. Now gone, of course. Uh, the Southern Cross Basement Bar... Another one where people used to meet and talk. The, the, a lot of our horse uh, yeah, racing we, business there. Yeah, it was a bit of horsey kind yeah. of bar, but uh, people used to meet and talk there nonetheless. Artists and um, architects and people like that. Now gone. Gone. Yeah. Do, you, do you want me to do a little sound effect? But the real one, oh. the one that's that, that we possibly miss most of all, was Melbourne's own kind of more or less its own... Um, La Panagile was a place called the Swanston Family Hotel on the corner of Little Burke Street and Elizabeth Street, which was a hotbed of intellectual conversation and poets and painters. And in which era? In, uh, in the 60s, 
from the 40s through to the 60s probably mm. and uh, now gone mm. did you ever hang there john uh not in the not in its original no. form no 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 well, look, John. If you think about just Bayside, think of all the you know the pubs: uh, Beaumaris Pub, uh, yeah. Hampton, Red Bluff, all gone. Mentone. Yeah. The only ones re- is and still, all still the there pubs is from down here are gone. But yeah. you know, it's replaced them, of course. Uh, um, Poker machines, wineries. Yeah, and breweries. Mm. Uh, but most of those big hotels have been put, um, turned into apartments. The Beaumaris hotels were quite beautiful. What they've done yeah, to it, you know, kind but, of wedding cake sort of way. Well, yeah, I mean, that was beautiful, you know, late 19th century um, architecture. But when you think about you know, what we remember, uh, sort of just of the, the amount of people who were there on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, mm. and the yeah, drunkenness right. and the madness, and the, yeah. it's sort of very, very... Um, what a business that was. What a business. And what, a, what, a, what an epoch of people just drinking themselves silly and going home and I don't know what they were doing afterwards. But it Come was on, a, you would go to a party afterwards. You, that's why you went there. <laughs> you don't know what they were doing afterwards. Or, or what's happened? Where do the people go now? Well, Cafes? They go, yeah, breakfast is a big thing, which was mm-hmm. of absolutely no interest to anybody before. Yeah. Uh, and they're staying home in front of their screens. I'm sure I don't know where they go, Swan. Well, the only place I go is the supermarket. That's where I see They've got to go somewhere, because you're talking about a pub as a wild, bandy, noisy place to meet. Masculine not, place. Not, not the old Australian where, watering hole where men used to just bore each other shitless. Well, no, it's more like that. I remember Beaumont, especially the public room, the bar. bar the public was, bar was beautiful, tiled, large tiled Yeah, room. and mostly men you know, yelling and women drinking were, and smoking. Women weren't allowed in there. They weren't allowed in. The women were in the lounge, which was a lovely spot to go as well. But, no um, women allowed. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Not only women, no, uh, no people of any colour. No oh, dogs. I was. Oh, that's not true. Was if, it? If, How, if when a, did that stop? Well, that that sort of segregation, I don't think. Oh, that's a long time ago. I think it was seventy one, wasn't it? Then when the White Australia policy was um, stopped, which was actually formed not against black people, it was against Chinese. I realise that, but the White Australia policy, once they were in, it didn't mean they couldn't go to pubs, Mark. <laughs> I know that, Sonny. But they tended people, not to, though. They tended not to. No, that's people, true. Because most of the white, drunken, yeah. pot-bellied, smoking, not really the most yeah. noble of uh, Australian men, were well, not very happy to see them. Well, I don't know how it is now, because I haven't been up the Stuart Highway for some time, but when I did that famous road survey oh, in famous, the yes. mid-'90s, if you went to, say, the Elliott Hotel, which is a very tiny place on the highway, uh, there was the black bar and the white bar, mm. the black mm. bar out the back. However, very complicated social stratum, some blacks were in the white bar. And just at a cursory glance, you could tell these were, in inverted commas, respectable blacks, mm. the foreman, the whatever, the whatever. Yeah. And then the wild blacks, or whatever you want to say, like the you know the, what they considered unwelcome blacks, mm. they were around the back. Right. Yeah. Do you know Wogle Road means mad Aboriginal? Well, we get a lot of that, doesn't yeah, really? Well, Warrigal, of course, was a famous warrior. Mm. And I can imagine that that uh, extension has occurred because mm. Warrigal was what. You, you would call now a freedom fighter, mm. and he really did piss off the the colonial authorities. I'm not sure "road" is an Aboriginal word. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, because Warrigal, he led um, raids. He was a he 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 was a guerrilla fighter. Okay, mm. in Victoria. Yeah, I guess he was Victoria's own. Um, who was the New South Wales one? The Sydney guy. Oh yeah, Benelong. Benelong. Benelong uh, no, wasn't Warrigal. No, 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 Benelong's mate who decided to fight instead of surrender. Yeah, and I just can't, I can't yeah. remember his name. Yeah. But uh, he was a fascinating guy um, who kept kind of seducing the white population into believing that he'd changed his ways, you know. But in fact, he was only there to steal stuff and have a look around, have a bit of a drink, and then he'd be back in the bush and raiding farms. Wow. It's like the famous story of the uh, Aboriginal woman whose name I forget who who, um, was picked up by the foreman for stealing a chicken. And she said, well, look, you stole our land right. and I steal a chicken. What do you think is the difference? Hmm. Hmm. Yes, they had some interesting attitudes. Yeah. I was asked by a young Aboriginal man once, what's this thing about drawing lines on a map? You know, you, that's what you guys do. You just draw little squares all over a map and you swap the little squares with each other. I can't quite that's get right. my head around it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, uh, well... We also we uh, to 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 extend that. I mean, we're like ants, aren't we? We just um, pick things up and put them down somewhere else. We're yeah. absurd. Right. We draw lines on maps and swap little squares, yeah. and just walk around with bits of paper, picking them up and putting them down. Yeah, it's bizarre. Well, we also make some magnificent cars. What do you got there, Mark? <laughs> Uh, I've got. I'm going to talk about a, a television. Apparently, there's some very good television on these days. Yeah. None of which I've seen. But <clears throat> well, you don't have a television. No, it's, yes. If you don't have, you don't one, need a television to watch a television these days. No, you can do it on your phone. I guess. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to go there. But um, and there is a show which is a four-part docu-series, which mm. I think is the most horrible expression, like chillax. It's horrible. Uh, called Lorena which is uh, by Joshua Rolfe, who you've probably never heard of, which mesmerizingly mesmerizingly reveals the long-ignored narrative at the core of the famous 23-year-old young woman called Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, yeah. Ah. Bobbitt brings I was wondering how long we'd, we'd, we'd head south. It's, ta- it's taken us about 23 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> who was an immigrant from Ecuador... Um, 23-year-old, lovely, mm-hmm. um, who was fleeing her home in Virginia after amputating the penis of her mm. sleeping husband. We all remember that. You all remember that. Wait, 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 wait. can we just go back a little bit? Mm. You're say, can you say, repeat that? She left her, she fleed her home in Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Virginia. A South American no, country. No, no, this no, is yes. Virginia. Yes, after, of course. Yeah, and he was sleeping. I don't know how she managed to cut it off while he's sleeping, but he must have been mm. probably pretty drunk. drunk. Um, after he raped her, apparently, but mm. his name was John Wayne Bobbitt, yes. as you probably remember, and she cut it off with a seven-inch knife um, after he had raped her, and after years of suffering of abuse, she mm-hmm. drove off, tossing the bit of penis out the window. That's the trick. Which was later found and reattached. Yeah. John Wayne Bobbitt... Um, went on to star in pornography films like Jade, uh, John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut and John Wayne Bobbitt Frankenpenis. <laughs> he, did, he did talk shows, um, yes. the circuit, did talk show circuit, and formed a rock band called Severed Parts. Hey. 
Lorena, who seems like a, uh, a much more interesting person than that scumbag John Wayne, um, Bob, uh, refused $1 million to pose for Playboy. All right. Good very honor. Good, uh, very good. And is, is now happily married and runs the Lorena Gallo, which is her maiden name, foundation, which focuses on domestic abuse issues. Oh, yeah. Well, So just a lovely story. She's a far more sensible human, it would yes. seem. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the knife bit. Well, he sounds oh. like a complete pig. A complete pig who deserved it, deserved the whole thing. That's where I was, you know, and, and good on her, Lorena. So, moving on, hmm. the uh, exhibition Shapes of Knowledge. Yeah. Now, this is Christopher Allen. You should, I, I it's insist. It's a good title. It's a good title. He called, his title is Grab Bag Style Over Substance. Right. So, it's a feminist uh, manifesto about climate change, uh, the, did you hear about the Biennale in um, Sydney where the artist said the trans uh, wasn't? The Biongiorni family who were, uh, who've been banking the Biennale for the last 10 years. They were, apparently one of their companies was involved in the um, Nauru Island. Okay. And so they all, they all um, manifested saying they didn't want these oh, people. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and they... Mm. Of good that made a bit of a fuss. Made a bit of they a fuss. They went on strike. I love it when artists go on strike. Yeah. Yeah, What's yeah. that strange thing you've got there, Mark? Is it a newspaper? I remember those. Yes, this is the, called the Australian Weekend Review, which I quote from quite often. I think the articles in there are just brilliant. It, nourish, As I've said it before, nourishes Mark all week. And, and, the, and just gro- in... Just in general, I think people's attitude towards Rupert Murdoch, I've spoke before, spoken before about this, is just outrageous. What? Whereas... Okay, so he's, he's, he did destroy the Times, perhaps, apparently, but it was, a, it was losing money and it was going up nowhere. At, it was up itself. It was up itself, exactly. So the English don't like him, but the fact that he owns the Times, the Economist, the Wall Street Journal, means that the Australian, they get articles every day from these journals, and they get the best. I, I was going to say the grand irony of all that is that uh, Rupert, the, the, the king of barbarians... He's always nurtured the Australian newspaper. Absolutely, it's because his it's his, ba- it's his base. He yes. started with the Australian in South Australia. They had a they had about yeah, it was South no, Australia. He bought, he bought. He moved it to Canberra. He was from Adelaide, okay. and they moved to Canberra. Right. I think. No, you tell me then. I don't know. You're probably the Australian. Right. He started with a in Adelaide yeah. with yeah. another newspaper. The from Australian there. is a is from that. Yeah, it was yeah. his father who who'd started it. Not the Australian. The no. Australian was started by Rupert. Yeah, he started it. As a national newspaper. Okay. Correct. And it's the only newspaper which is getting, um, uh, its readership is, in, is getting increasing. Around, increasing. Thank you. Um, but look, Christopher Allen is, is, he's a brilliant writer. He's up there with um, Robert Hughes. What do you I, think? I, absolutely. There's no yeah. question. <clears throat> His general knowledge is extraordinary. But anyway, is just he a, funny? He can be, yeah, very subtly funny. Yeah, we like funny. You might, you might miss it if you, you don't read him very often. But look, he just says this, The pursuit of truth begins with the acknowledgement that we are still engaged in a pursuit. Okay, it's a brilliant way of putting it. Mm-hmm. So it's the pursuit of it. It's not the thing itself because it doesn't actually really exist. It's, it's you looking for it. Ideology, on, on the contrary is the conviction that we already know the truth, which is why ideologues always want to censor contrary views and even suppress the asking of questions. Okay, so he's talking about how convinced, which is once again, I'm talking about 
thank God Sally's not here, about the children uh, protesting for, for climate change when they don't know, you know, whatever they've learned is from, they've been told by their teachers or their parents or, you know, so the fact that they're protesting for something which is, I think you know, climate change is, a, is a, something we all need to, to fight for, right. against. Um, but at the same time, to be protesting when you're on a school well, day is just... Well, so is the up. habit of protesting something that one should learn and become uh, engaged in, because it's a good thing to be engaged in. Protesting is a necessary part of the way we run our community. Well, you, you having spent a few years in Paris, you might have uh, experienced that, um, the protesting every... Uh, you don't have to protest violently. No, they, absolutely. They're not protesting violently. They're just taking up the whole street. And when you live on one side of Paris and your uh, wife is dying of cancer on the other side of... Ca- hang on. And the trains are on strike as well. <laughs> and you're trying to drive to see your yeah. dying wife and there's some people demonstrating about climate change or the fact they're not getting enough money for their student fees. It does tend to drive you a little mad. Oh, well, I bet I, they copped a bit of an attitude from you too. They were almost going to be run over, which you've right. experienced before I as have, well. yes. I've been in a car while you're running people down. They were... They were disabled people. <laughs> but look, to get on back to Christopher, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm oh, getting... I'm just letting you have enough rope there. Yes, I'm getting <laughs> heated up over that uh, manifestation. Yeah. Just the fact that people can, can't take into account what's going on elsewhere in the world and you're perhaps being a little more serious about your mm. joys and your complaints. Anyway, he says that um, many would agree that fossil fuels are harmful unless us assume that tobacco and armaments are also ruled out as well as gambling. So what he's talking about is the, 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 peop- the companies making money and the consumers complaining about them making the money right. and not wanting them to be part of the system somehow. He goes, but fashion, which galleries have been in love with for years because it brings in female audiences that otherwise would not come in to see real art exhibitions, uh-huh. is one of the most ecologically damaging industries in the world today. All the cheap fashion is uh, ends up as landfill. So shocking. And, and cotton. And cotton is one of the worst. Mm. Uh, um, Apple, <clears throat> sorry, in the world today. And what about advertising, which tries to keep people in a constant state of unhappy craving for things they don't need? Or mass media, promoting har- harmful images and role models? Or food and beverage companies, doing their best to drive com- customers to obesity? Or banks, which make their money by funding all these businesses? Where is the unequivocally clean money? In practice, we have to accept compromise, but none of us can afford to be complacent. Yeah, well, we're all hypocrites. But um, I I disagree with him on uh, fashion and clothing. You know, the the show at the moment, um, the... uh, I can't remember her name, Campbell Pretty... Isabella Campbell Pretty, I think her name is, or something. Mm. It's fantastic. It, the NGV is full of all of her collection and all the way through the painting galleries, and it is fantastic. Really? Yep. What, dresses? Dresses. What, what's so fantastic about it? Just because they are, they're beautiful objects, they're beautifully made, uh, they're very considered. But they're on they're, mannequins, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I find that just oh, so well, deadening. Oh, right, if they're on women. Well, you they a, should be walking around. They should have yeah. models, paying models to walk around, or, okay, or yeah, young well, women who... That would cost a lot of money, but mm. no, you're right, that would be better. Yes. But well, uh, it's pretty good as it is. It's gone. I find mannequins uh, just so dead-looking, no matter how much they try and dress right. them up, and the dresses themselves just sort of sitting there. I, I don't, I, you're absolutely not engaged. By not it. engaged at all. So yeah. you'd be a bit more like Mick Jagger. I see the girls go by dressed in their summer clothes. 
What a beautiful line. It is a lovely line, yes. Now, can we put a pin in that, your next topic, mm. Mark, mm. and perhaps go to a, now that I've mastered the art mm. <laughs> and promised people music and they got ads, yeah. isn't that always the way? Do you want to promise it's not always the way. Let, let, let's just sit back and consider our thoughts and, and, and nick off to Graceland. I'm so glad this song is fading. Yes. And stopping. We're, so, we're back live. So listen, um, Woodstock, his uh, anniversary is coming up. 50 years, Mark. 50 years, John. And um, there's a lot of doubt about um, whether they should really do it, but apparently some guy is organising, some producer. Uh, and the people they're going to have playing are Miley Cyrus. Cyrus, yes. Cyrus, whose music I've never heard. But she is... I know there's a lot of fuss about her, but again, we were talking off air about how some people you think are brilliant artists. She she's produced. Is, she is brilliant. Oh, she's brilliant, is she? Brilliant. But does she write her... No. She has, would she write I her don't know. I don't know, but she, she does some beautiful covers. It's like that girl, Dana, Dan Ray, Del Rey. What was her name? Who wrote that um, music about... Don't uh, know. You've probably never heard of her. Okay. No. Anyway, they're coming up. Uh, Wood, Woodstock is going to be on in August mm -hmm. um, this year. They've got uh, Sari... No, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus, uh, Jay-Z, the rapper, and um, the pop group who have called Imagine Dragons. I've never heard of. No, but it's, you've never heard of anything. I've heard of Jay-Z Jay and Miley. I just haven't heard her music. Mm. But uh, some guy has said, I'm supposed to eat brown acid, get naked, and swim in a dirty pond to Imagine Dragons. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. so is this at the same location? It's going to be 240 kilometres west because it's not well, that's big enough. not the same location, no. is it? No. And also, don't be a fuddy-duddy. If you were 18, you'd love to take brown acid and dance around in the mud to the... Yeah, this guy's dragons. 47, so but they don't right. have brown acid right. any longer. They have um, AUMDMA and all clear those light. other things. Mm. All these other stuff. But um, so people are doubting. And Roger Daltrey, who was invited, who was there in 1969, said, look, it's too hot. I can't do it anymore. No. Surely there's still a bit of acid around for the connoisseur. I don't know, John. I'm not uh, involved in these things any longer. So um, if anybody wants to go to Woodstock, uh, you start looking it up. The tickets are going to be very expensive. I it, saw some television, Mark. Mm -hmm. You were uh, suggesting that not having a television means that you don't have to watch all the crap that gets broadcast. No, I know there is a lot of good television, John. I do. I have Three heard Three one-hour... Uh, biographical episodes, uh, one of Karl Marx, mm. uh, one of um, Sigmund Freud, mm. and uh, the other was the German philosopher whose name is... Goethe? No. no. Heidegger? No. Uh, Heidegger. Heidegger. Nietzsche. 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 Friedrich. Yeah, man, they were all fascinating men. Mm. They were especially Nietzsche, amazing. with their own difficulties. Mm. It would seem. Excuse me, can I ask a question? Is this John on? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Have you played the Sting Swan? <laughs> I, I no. I, I thought you were going <laughs> off plan because, as someone famous said, uh, plans last as long as first engagement with the enemy. Oh, yeah, okay. keep going. Um, and it was fa fantastic television. It was. Uh, Really good. A woman historian uh, who was uh, talking about all of these people's ultimate, um, the things that happened as a result of their thinking that all of them would have been ultimately appalled by. 
So mm. the uh, the Soviet or the the Bolshevik mm. Revolution is something that would have appalled Karl Marx. Mm. Yes. Second World War would have appalled Nietzsche. And uh, First World War, both. Both. Well, Hitler, Hitler was a big nature fan. Yeah, yeah. Yep. not only. Wagner as well, he loved him. Oh, yes. There was the but va- I, don't, I can't see, sorry, I can't see why Hitler liking somebody has any, any context. Uh, because it, Hitler actually picked up a lot of what Nietzsche was talking that's about. True. Yes, that's true, yes. Uh, and used it in his policy. The know. Superman. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, look. And the concept that God is dead. Yeah. For- the fact that we murdered God. Um. And Freud, of course, would have, she suggests, would have been appalled by uh, where psychoanalysis went. Mm. Well, he would have been dead from cocaine abuse by then anyway. Mm. He did Look, like the cocaine. Am I alone in this world that in thinking, when, when, in, when the BBC in our time does anything on philosophy, I just delete it. I'm not interested in what anyone says. Well, about, you're not really interested in what anyone says anyway. No. You know, the Buddha, the Buddha, I'll listen to. But all those other dudes, I mean, Nietzsche, I mean, so what? He wouldn't have done anything in the real world anyway, regardless of how horrified he would have been at war, real war. Uh, Look, I think we have to thank Frederick for a few um, insights into the human psyche. Swanee. Okay. Maybe maybe it's not something you see so much in um, Talaruk or where are you? Yeah, <laughs> no, not telling. <laughs> not telling. <laughs> but um, same with Freud. He was a, a, the one thing I know about Freud is he he loved making love with his wife um, with her head over the edge of the bed. There we go. There we go. So, um, Sigmund. How would one know such a thing? Well, know? look, because people look into these people, men's lives and, and their idiosyncrasies, as you've mentioned, that mm-hmm. they all have strange things going on, as most people do. It's just mm. that um, you, it, people. But it, it is true that we tend to turn what someone had to say into our own, you know, towards our own benefit as. Uh, Adolf did as much and, and amongst many things that Nietzsche came up with that um, should interest us is his um, thinking on suffering, on people's suffering. This was Vivian's big big point, and he suggested that uh, people who suffer have to understand that it's the suffering that makes them, and uh, that they have to own their own suffering and not try and blame it on someone else. Blame it on someone else or, or whinge. Or make it stop, in fact. It mm. is what makes them. Mm. I like that. We I'm are not... manifested by our own suffering. <clears throat> I, may, I might make you stop just for a moment, John, okay. and play you a little sweet thing that you, I know you love. And now it's time for John Paul. How's that for a segue? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I might remind everybody that I just use Segway out of context. Everything on this show is pretty much butt-joined, isn't it? <laughs> there aren't many Segways. Real that was segways. one. one. That was one. Yeah, yeah, I made it up yeah. a bit. All right, so moving on from Nietzsche I to dogs, to, is it? Yeah, I went, uh, I went. one morning when I was uh, living in a studio in the city, I, uh, as I sometimes did, I decided to go off to the art supply store in Carlton um, I didn't have a lot of money, but had enough money to buy a small tube of dark crimson, which I did. 
And it was a summer day, a quite nice warm summer day, and I left the art supply store picking my way through the dog shit all over the footpath because dogs, no one picked up their dog turds at the time. Sorry, was this in Melbourne or Paris? Yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne. It's shocking. And dogs would, like, I'd regularly see them, a dog, an owner, not on a leash, the dog would be nearby and they'd be watching it, like, taking a dump on someone's doorstep or something and then everyone would just walk off. It was yeah. awful, really. Barker's eggs. Disgusting. Barker's eggs, yeah. Yep. But on my... Uh, as I normally did, I walked up through the gardens at the exhibition buildings. Oh, I love it. Yeah. The ro- the line of roses, beautiful. Yeah. Lots of dogs running around, no leashes. You mm-hmm. know, they're all just sort of running around having a... I suppose they were having a good time for dogs. And this one particular dog ran straight at me, biggish dog with a great big square head. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it ran at me and kind of put its... Pa- paws on my shoulders and got its mouth up around when I thought it was going to tear my throat out you know <laughs> so I gave it a right hook to the side of the head good work okay. wasn't it just trying to give you some love it was trying to rip my throat out as far as I was was it angry or happy it was happy but you know you never could, know. maybe that was a subterfuge of did, some sort did you think pretty soon you'd have some deep crimson coming out of your head well Pretty soon, after I'd smacked it on the side of the head... And Ooh, it One sec. <laughs> yeah, go on. This is good. This is like the BBC. It landed... <laughs> Let me get my coconuts. It landed some distance away from me Fant. on all paws, as they say. Don't mess with John. Don't mess with John. You've got to get it out. Come on. And then it lunged at me once more. This time, less happy. Yeah. It's uh, on. It's on. John. <laughs> it's on with John. Yeah. And it, it clamped its jaw on my thigh, missing myself, but uh, getting a good grip on the shorts. And the crimson tube. And the crimson paint, the dark crimson. Oh, don't tell me. And that you'd it, saved good money for. Yeah. They're not that expensive. It wasn't a cadmium. He didn't have any... thrashed and chewed and... Yeah. On the shorts. The owner, some distance away, was saying, Here, boy. You know, come on, boy. He's only playing. He's only playing, yeah. Rex, come on, Rex. Man, I would have, I would have stuck the dog's head up the owner's ass, or the owner's head up the dog's ass. Well, his attitude changed somewhat when he saw <laughs> all of the red around my thigh and in the Fantastic. dog's mouth. <laughs> so did the people who were nearby watching and. Um, there was a fair bit of panic going on, you know. Get the dog off him. Get the dog off him. Shoot and it. Oh, did I say that? Or I meant to think that. Right. Yeah. You say it. Oh. So the owner came and got his dog. Uh, he grabbed it by the collar and kind of dragged it away. Bad dog. And uh, asked me if I was all right. You all right? You know, with the you all right, mate? Got blood running down my leg, apparently. And... Um, I was all right, and I told him, yeah, I'm all right, it's just paint. He said, oh, okay. He didn't quite understand that, but he walked off with his dog, and I was happy to know that when he put his dog into his car that the car would soon be covered in dark crimson. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any chance that this paint was toxic? I'd be hoping for that. Every chance that it's toxic. But those red, as you know, Mark, those red paints go, they start out from nowhere and they go everywhere. They, I've had a fingerful of um, Matter Lake just to have a look at it, just at fingertip. 
Excuse me? Yeah. Is there a colour called Matter Lake? Mm. There is indeed. Because that was a band back Mm. in the 70s. Mm. So was King Crimson. Yes, The Court of the Crimson King was their big album. Mm. It was Deep Purple. Prog Rock. Mm. Deep Purple. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, um, the Matter Lake that I had on my finger... Was there an eggshell blue? I spread on a little bit of uh, the wall just to have a look at it. Yeah. It was beautiful. And then I got home and I was almost covered, entirely covered in red paint all the way down my side, all over my hand. Looked at myself in the mirror. It was all over my face. Man. So I must have snipped the end of the tube or something and got paint all over myself. They got off light, And then it was all over the house. So I was quite sure that this man's car would be completely, the interior would be recoloured. Wow, you must, have the, you must have the manners of a saint. I would have biffed him one. The dog? No, the dog and him. But right. good on the... I love the right hook. Oh, yeah. Well, Brilliant. that was automatic. I would have gone for the eyes. <laughs> yeah, whereas the dog was probably coming up just to give him a lick. And now, to... now, Mark, as the engineer, do you want me to play a nice song or do you want to let's, go straight yeah, no, into... No, no, let's have another um, B-grade song. To Ooh, this, this is not B-grade. This is off the <laughs> B list. Now, as promised at the top of the show, I believe... God willing, that we have now a cool song by Burning Spear. God's dead. Wow, that was African Postman by Burning Spear. I dug that. Good ending. The drums were great. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, to get back to Christopher Allen's review of the <laughs> show. Sorry, Mark, I interrupted before. The, that's often the case, John. I take you off on John? a tangent? You often do, but that's fine. I'm used to it. It's good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, he's talking about unlearning apparently the show is about unlearning so it seems this group of people want to unlearn all sorts of bad habits of corporate culture uh, including hierarchical excuse me hierarchical thank uh, you distinctions lack of sense of community individual selfishness and sense a lack of sense of community individual selfishness and competitiveness okay so apparently it's although AFL female football is seems pretty competitive to me, but they're talking about the corporate structure shouldn't be competitive. We've got to be more uh, community-minded. Well, good luck with so that. So does unlearning mean that they just don't want to think about it or that they want to do something? We have to unlearn it. bad habits. So right. it's, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit sort of a continuation of, of French pro, um, deconstructionism, right. of deconstructing things. And, and this is what they say that all the social media, that that's, it is about deconstructing I don't know what, whatever they're constructing. Right. But to get back to Christopher, and no doubt many of those things are more or less harmful to the individual and to the work community, although some may be inevitable consequences of much more fundamental habits of mind about economic growth, innovation and expansion. So this is the big problem we've got to deal with, is how you... For example, I know that Coca-Cola and Costo, the big... Mm, Costco. Uh, Costco, not mm. Costco, Costo. Costco. Costco is the American. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I beg your pardon. The member, you become a member, and you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Not that. It's Costco, no. who are the the big Italian fruit and vegetable company, okay. who have said they are going to stop using plastic, as has Coca Cola. Okay. Mm. So, and I was talking about this with Sally last week to say that it was a, it's a woman who's now running Coca-Cola, mm. who's the chairman, and that she's gone, and that they are the ones who are going to make the difference, not these kids manifesting in the street. So, you know, I'm not against the, the, manif- the their manifest, but it's just how, what effect it's going to have. 
And I think this whole sort of you know, demonstrating for these things is really just people I was a demonstrator themselves. as a teenager and I ended a war. No, you didn't. The war ended by itself, John. Vietnam War. I remember that. Everyone saying, go home, America. And everyone was against America, not wearing Levi's. I mean, they didn't have anything to say about America. We could have a new segment. Without America, they couldn't, Australia wouldn't exist couldn't without America. To do with America. We could have a new it? segment in this show called What's, What's the Point? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, what exactly well, this is, is, is the it. point? What is the point of this exhibition? Yeah. You know, the uh, fact that they're complaining and, and mm. saying, and you know, it, that art is definitely yeah. not about that. I, 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 I think we could um, encapsulate all that you're complaining about. I'm simply not complaining, s- I'm or, stating. Or simply yeah. your Jeremiah mm. by simply stating that the, uh, the mediocre always rise mm. and just swamp any edge or colour. Mm. Mm. And they're always dreaming up these stupid ideas like unlearning or yeah. whatever. Okay. Mm. All right. But uh, okay. So then he says many of the problems they glimpse but immediately submerge in a bog of verbosity <laughs> arise from the negative and neurotic habits of the egoistic self. I like that. Yeah. He's a very good writer. But thinking and discussing will not make these problems go away any more than thinking can solve the knots of anxiety or depression. As the products of defective thinking in the first place, further thinking only exasperates them. The only solution to the tangles of neurotic thinking is to find a way to mental stillness through non-discursive practices such as those of Buddhism or Stoicism. Or meditation. Well, this is what he's saying. Well, there you go. One, One can't help wondering how many women really want this, to sit around in a tepid bath of mutual affirmation and commiseration, as though they're all in a kind of Edwardian rest home for ladies suffering from neurothesemia. I'm sorry. Surely most would rather engage energetic with the challenges of life. I'm going to have to leave you there, Mark. Perhaps we could take that up next Next. week. And remember, the Buddha said, those who do not accept the uh, status quo are destined to be unhappy.